So you mentioned about praying in the name of Christ, and that's been kind of a big matter for me in terms of any kind of public setting. Uh, I made it clear that I cannot pray an amen if, if it's not prayed in the name of Christ. So you said it wasn't necessary. said it wasn't necessary to, to necessarily mention the name of Christ. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yes, and I'm speaking more in our, our context. All right. So I said that we don't always have to say the phrase in Christ's name or whatever similar thing that, that we, we would say. Uh, and the question is, well, uh, in public settings, uh, the, the elder would never give his amen to a prayer that was not offered the name of Christ. Well, if by public settings you mean at some activity outside the church, I would agree with you, because there we're asked to have nondescript uh, generic prayers, and such prayers are not prayers, and as Christians we must bear witness then to the fact that we can come only to the triune God through Christ. But in our daily prayers, say, you know, ejaculatory prayers that we throw up during the day, or even at times in corporate worship, I don't always say the words in Christ's name. That's because we're in a context gathered in his name. But I would agree with you. I, when I was in high school, and um, this was back in, in the day when you had, quote, prayers, I've, ever since then I've never been a proponent of, of prayer in, in the public schools because I got in deep trouble for reading the devotional and praying in the name of Christ. And she teaches, I told you not to pray. Well, she hadn't told me, but if she had, I still would have either not done it or would have not have done the devotional or still would have prayed the name of Christ. Because in that context, it's nothing. We're not praying, as I said, you know, the God of the Jews, the God of the Muslims is not God. And the only way in public prayers that we're signifying that we're praying to the triune God is in the name of Christ. So I would agree with, he's talking about in the public. Brenda. What do you say to someone who says King James only? Okay. What do I say to someone who believes that uh, uh, they should on, only use the, the King James Bible? Um, King James is a beautiful Bible translation. And uh, a couple of interesting things about it. It was authorized. And that's it's nice to have an authorized Bible. It's authorized by a king, though, who was authorizing it to get rid of the Geneva Bible, which was the study Bible that all the Puritans and their congregations were using in England. So he agreed to that, um, to have a new, new version, so to get rid of the notes out of the Geneva version. Now, it had some very able translators. The other thing, and I've only learned this recently, I've not verified it, but um, one of the reasons the King James Bible reads so well publicly is that it was primarily written for, re for reading and thus is not always as accurate uh, in um, its uh, translation because of the proper emphasis on, on meter such as and that. Uh, and so I think it is, uh, it's a beautiful translation. Uh, I think those that were raised on it uh, and commune best with God through it, I would not encourage them to, to do anything otherwise. But for public worship or for more in-depth Bible study, one of the things I'm, I'm 
preaching through Job again. And uh, it's interesting, we have so much more insight now into Hebrew uh, vocabulary than they had. Uh, and so uh, you're going to have a number of instances, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, uh, where the, the King James translators uh, didn't uh, really know in a broader way what that particular word that the Holy Spirit used meant. In public worship, I prefer something else. And part of that is um, because I want to communicate according to the confession of faith. And the confession of faith says that we are to read the scriptures in the vulgar language, and that means the language of the day. And I think that is actually a confessional commitment. And so at least it, 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 it guides me. But, again, it's beautiful. Uh, many of us know many verses from it, and, um, and it's very good for reading uh, in public worship, particularly if you can have sections that you know, are not, would not have an obscure word. And you can always translate those words for people as well. focus on the vulgar language. Um, there is uh, certainly some work being done in the OPC as far as retranslating or bringing the confession and primarily the catechism to a more modern language. What is, what is your thought of that? So the question is uh, work in some denominations uh, about uh, bringing the confessional standards into a, a more modern idiom. Uh, I guess I have mixed uh, reaction to that. It kind of gets back to what I mentioned the other day about the filioque cause, that the and the son, spirit proceeds from the father and the son. So one portion of the church decided they would change that. You know, it's lovely that the PCA and the OPC have uh, the same confessional standards. Um, the Bible Presbyterians, except one little twitch that they, they, they made in there. So what that's going to do is it's going to put the OPC out of step. And I think it would have been much better if uh, it was said, well, let's, as any denomination that's using, and many use the one that both we and the OPC and the OPC use, let's work together so that we will have now a common, uh, a common translation. So that would be my kind of knee-jerk reaction to that. I just... Uh, wrote a commentary. A, a friend of mine in um, England has done a modern language version of the old Westminster Directory of Worship. And I wrote the commentary on the section on preaching as well as a, a little forward to it. And I think that will make that document much more accessible. It's not, well, it is the, of the uh, Free Church continuing, and it's probably the, of, of the denomination that y'all are out of. It's the old Directory of Worship that's still the one that's being used, right? But most Presbyterians no longer use that. So the Covenanters don't use it and none of the other. So uh, I think that's fine to get that work accessible. But the main thing is if we could have a, you know agreed-upon version, it would be nice. Um, you know, now we have the Psalter hymnal, uh, which uh, has those versions. That's being 
used in probably as many PCA congregations as it is in the OPC, if not more. And um, so I, I guess that creates a problem, but I'm sure they've thought through all of that. And is, I would not have any, I'm sure they're very good theologians uh, as well as grammarians on the committee. But knowing the OPC, it'll only take about 50 years to get it passed. So it's not our worry. <laughs> you can delete that one. <laughs> it's good. Ecclesiastical matters slow is it's good. Wow. Everything that y'all did. <laughs> Just what are important things to, for a family to be looking at uh, when um, uh, their children go off to uh, university? Um, in, in a church. Well, first there must be a good Reformed church in town that is uh, confessional. Um, it's got... Um, solid preaching and worship that is God-honoring, uh, pays attention to the things that, that you pay attention to here. Uh, preferably, it's a church that has evening worship, um, but again, that is on the decline. I was, I was thinking earlier, I was thinking about persecution. I can hear God saying, well, if, you, if, if one service today is enough for you, I'm going to take it all away. Why should I give you public worship if you're only going to come once? Um, but interview the pastor and the elders. Uh, and then, uh, you know, is there a good campus ministry? And you, you need to know what its philosophy is as well today because a lot of those are, are woke and other things as well. And a lot of, uh, of um, I think in the wrong sense, contemporary hymns and things like that. But um, to be involved and to um, be confident that my child is going to go to a church that is basically um, doing and following the things that my home church is doing. Ben? What would I say is the best English translation? Well, I guess I said the other day that there are basically four that uh, I'm comfortable using. That's the King James, New King James, the ESV, and the uh, New American Standard. They all have strengths and weaknesses. The, um, the people that prefer the King James, New King James prefer that also because of the text, and that's the textus recaptus, the received text that um, has, goes back to the 10th century, but there's a lot of good evidence that uh, I actually hold to the majority text, which in the critical apparatus is called the Byzantine text, and it's very closely related to, uh, to the uh, received text. Uh, 
and, and I think that is the advantage. I've already said my bit of my qualms about the King James. I do not find the New King James out of the other three. I think I would. No, I think I have to put the ESV on the bottom of the list. But the, the New King James also is just, uh, it doesn't read as well, and it is not as good a translation in uh, a number of places. So, uh, so I'm, I'm a bit schizophrenic. I, I hold to the received text, or, or to the majority text, but my Bible of choice is the New American Standard. Uh, and the reason for that is it is the most careful translation of, of the Greek and uh, of the Hebrew. And when that text differs um, from most of the any major differences with the majority text, you actually get a footnote uh, alerting you, not always, but a footnote alerting you uh, to that reality. The, the ESV, I kind of put somewhere between, um, well, it is a... Valuable version. Uh, it is a version owned by a publishing company. It is a version that became popular because basically they paid off all the reformed celebrities to endorse it. By paying it off, they gave it to them. So <laughs> it really um, took the market by storm because of that. So they got heavy endorsements from it. I've, I've not seen many very critical comparisons of it with the other translations. Um, but it's good, and any four of those will be useful in Bible study. The, um, the knock on the New American Standard, in addition to uh, that it follows the critical text and not the majority text, is that some will say that it does not read well in public, but if you work at it, I think you'll think that the pastor can read the Scripture in a way that is interpretive, and it's not hindered by that particular text. But any four of those. The Living Bible is not a translation. It's a poor commentary. So it's not even a good commentary. And what happens with that is, when I didn't touch on this this morning, but people think, you know, I don't understand the Bible. We know why you're not born again. And, uh, but then the Living Bible will make you think you understand the Bible, <laughs> and you're not challenged spiritually. Uh, at that particular uh, point. There's a question from that was sent by text. Uh, and it is uh, John 16, verse 12, where Christ notes that the disciples cannot bear the things that he has to say to them. Would it also be the Son specifically that intercedes between us and the spiritual forces of evil or the things that God in his good providence allows us to bear when the New Testament mentions that we are not given more than we can bear. Does that apply? I don't. If I, uh, so the question is, in, in, in John uh, 16, 12, I have many things to tell you, but you cannot yet bear them. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all things. I think the context there is having to do with the uh, poverty of spiritual thinking on the disciples, the necessity of the spirit, who then will bring them into all truth. I don't think that has to do with God giving understanding on the things we have to bear, if that's the question. There are other passages that will speak to that. Well, even the very end of John 16, don't fear I've overcome the world. 
our, our God loves you. And because God loves you, he will do no wrong to you in your life. And he will give you grace. First uh, Corinthians, there's no temptation taking you, but such as common to man. God will give you the temptation, um, the grace to bear it. So we'll always have grace. He didn't take Paul's thorn in the flesh away, but he promised him grace. And those are the kind of places I, I go for, for that. And the book of Job. Okay. How do you learn the stuff about the Bible so well? How do I know stuff about the Bible so well? Well, I've been a Christian for 60 Three years this summer. So that's the advantage of reading the Bible all of your life. And then I have had the privilege of going to study at a seminary, the best seminary. No, I was president of the best seminary. <laughs> it was the best in the day I went. Um, and I was able to learn Greek and Hebrew so that I can study the scriptures in Greek and Hebrew as well. And But it's just... It's anything else. It's a lifelong discipline study. And I have a lot more to learn. Because God's incomprehensible. That means we can understand a lot that he tells us, but we will never get God in a box. Okay? Thank you. I see, oh, Pastor? Mrs. Pastor? Would you please give us an update on uh, the church plant in Antioch and, um, and how it's going to be spraying? Okay. Church date update. An update on Antioch church plant. Most of you know that in September of 2020, Zach Groff and I... Uh, um, were able to take a church that basically was uh, what well, was dead in that nobody stayed with it, with it. So we got the building, um, 11 acres, historic cemetery. And, and for a year, right, in COVID, they paid the expenses and helped us begin to improve it. It had been not much done to it. Uh, at the end of which time, the agreement was that if we were showing any signs of viability, that we would uh, be given all the property. So the advantage that we have is that we have our own church building. Um, it's We're kind of busting the seams. Um, but we have the building, and we've been continuing to make improvements. We're working now with an architect trying to get a, a site plan for uh, in the future. We probably are having uh, low to mid-50s now in corporate worship, half of which are children, a lot like here. Uh, we've got about 27, 28 covenant children uh, in the church. Well, maybe out of those, three of those now are, are communicant members. Uh, actually, maybe five of those are communicant members now. So uh, our big need is, and we're praying this year if it's God's will, that he would give us five mature families. 
the um, my wife and I are at one ed- edge, and probably the next family close to us are may- maybe in their early 40s. So that's a, a big age gap. So it's great when people visit if they have families <laughs> because we've got uh, children, which also bring a lot of headaches in a small building as well. But um, So we're praying for five mature families. We need elders. Uh, we've got one man now, I believe, is ready to be an elder. And actually, uh, Dan served on the session with this man's father in California. Uh, and this man was actually converted under my ministry there. And when he heard that we were uh, starting a church, he wanted to put his children in it. So they had a home business, and they moved. Uh, he's just grown immensely. So it would be fun to be, have... Be, have as a ruling elder of a son of man with whom I was a ruling elder. Um, so we need at least one more ruling elder. We do have, I believe, deacon material. Um, our families are sound families. They're doing family worship. Uh, they are... Uh, I think coming along well. So pray for us. We, actually, financially, we we've, we've, are doing quite well. We, we remodeled the manse, and the Groffs now live in that. That cost about $70,000, uh, and we have been slowly had the inside of the building painted and the outside trim. It was built in 1929. Um, it's very interesting. It's a hall, maybe about little wide in this intersection, but then it's got three rooms on each side, and for the dividers, it's like a louvered window, and they're um, almost like beadboard. And so, I'm not, I mean, like uh, window shade. And so, we've taken one of those and made it a training room, which helps some with our children problems, and one, uh, a permanent classroom library, and... We can actually expand and probably get, by using the two middle side rooms, maybe 150 in it. But our fellowship hall is very tiny. We have two single facility bathrooms. And so you, again, have trying to get 27 kids to the bathroom before service. They're not getting up constantly during the service and and all of that. We are getting ready to put a a handicap entrance at the back. But so we have a lot of headaches by God's grace. But one of the nice things about a church plant is that all the families are back on Lord's Day evening, which I see here for the most part. But all the families are also represented regularly at prayer meeting. Everybody might not make it, but a husband or a wife might be there. Uh, and if somebody misses, it's, it, it's unusual. It's either a work thing or family thing, something like that. And the children are praying at prayer meeting. We have moved. Uh, every other week now we're doing catechism instruction with all the children, and then they're in the prayer meeting the other two weeks. Thank you for asking. Practical ways to help our children love God rather than simply 
an obligatory duty. Uh, I go back to what I said. I think going for their heart is so important in the earliest days of discipline. And so we're explaining to them why we're disciplining them, but we're directing them to the Lord Jesus and to um, forgiveness as they confess their sins. And we also ourselves um, don't live uh, by checking off the boxes, but become much more open, experimental in talking about the things of the Lord in the family, the family circle, uh, answers to prayer, uh, praising God. Um, and then in a church that preaches Christ and not just uh, goes through the motions as well, at the heart of it is experimental Calvinism. Now, we have no guarantee um, on, on these things, uh, but I think these are all things that help and engage them one-on-one in spiritual conversation. I think we got about two minutes. And the clock is a little fast. All right. <laughs>